Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 122. Hello, it is day number 907 of my pandemic. 907 is the area code in which I grew up for the entire state of Alaska is the 907 area code. Um, you know, everything's just a little, uh, uh, there we go. I felt like it was just a little gainy on my voice today. I'm talking louder than usual because I'm alone in the house. I spent the night in the house alone last night for the first time in at least three years that I can think of. Um, yeah, maybe two and a half years. Sometime in 19, 2019, Emma and Jane went to Atlanta to visit their friend, her friend, our friend Clara. And that's the last time I spent a night alone in the house. And uh, Emma is once again in Atlanta visiting her friend Clara and Janet. My mother-in-law, who lives next door, is watching Jane today. I will get Jane alone for the next three to four nights. I am looking forward to it. Uh, I am working today, so that'll be a little bit stressful. But, you know, it's Friday. It's a holiday weekend. Not a lot's going on at work. <laughs> I've done. It is 1048 in the morning. I'm not sure if I'm going to post this right away or not. And I have done most of my work product for the day, and I don't expect a whole lot. My direct report that is usually the most conversation with me is out this week. So, you know, I think it'll be pretty good, pretty good. So I'm rolling the dice and doing this podcast. I seem to be on a once every three weeks cadence now. I used to be on a once every two weeks cadence. Uh, I'm liking this a little bit better. Um. It's very hard to do the podcast and all my gardening in a two-day weekend. I think I talked about this last time. And, you know, so that's that's a little summer-specific. Last fall and winter, I took off every Friday that I didn't get off. But I had a lot of extra vacation time last year. My views to bunch up this year. I was saving a bunch because I thought I was going to go to Alaska for one of the two holidays. But it looks like my mom and sister and nephew and I guess he's a brother-in-law. Is that what you call it? your sister's husband yes right uh anyway they're all coming here it's looking like so i have that time back so maybe i'll start taking fridays off again and i could get this back out of two weeks especially when the gardening dies down but for now we're gonna do every three weeks uh yeah so um it's pretty exciting emma's gone she's at dragon con with her friend clara they did an awesome uh group well two person two person costume <laughs> from everything everywhere all at once and she's got another one of Princess Bubblegum uh, from Adventure Time. They're very good, very good costumes. Uh, Clara especially is just an amazing cosplayer. So, you know, that's pretty cool. They're sending me pictures and stuff. Uh, I will do a little bit of gardening this weekend, but really I just tried, I'm trying to clear the deck. So when uh, Jane gets back, oops, look at that. When Jane gets back from Grammys today, I will have nothing to do besides just hanging out with her because Jane's really fun to hang out with if you're not trying to do something else. <laughs> Yesterday I had a meeting at work and uh, Emma had already left. She left right after lunch. 
And Jane was in the other room playing with the dolls. And I'm like, all right, I can do this. I can do this meeting. And I come in, I start the call and she heard it and she just runs in. She sits down on my lap and my zoom is off, but everybody else, not everybody, but like half the people's zoom is on. Uh, my friend, Kristen, longtime friend works with her. And Jane's just like, hi, Kristen. And then it's my, you know, my partner, Matt's birthday. She's like, hi, Matt, happy birthday. And she just will not let us do the meeting. It's so adorable, but it's rough. Um, and then, you know, same thing in the evenings when I'm like trying to watch YouTube videos and she's like, come play with me, come play Legos with me. And I'm like, no, I must watch this dumb video of a guy using a Japanese handsaw or something. Uh, so I've just stopped. I've just like, I just like say, okay. And I go and play with her and it's more fun for both of us. So that's what I'm going to do all weekend. Uh, which is why I'm doing this podcast now at 1040, 1052 in the morning now. So yeah, should be fun. Chatham County's great. It's lovely. It's very sunny. The gar- uh, yeah, the garden's going great. Uh, so much going on in the garden. Uh, the corn is huge. I got lettuce coming up. I got carrots in the ground. I got radishes almost maturing. I put some broccoli in the ground. I put some baby bok choy in the ground. I put some snow peas in the ground. I got a second round of shallots, which they say you can't even do here. And they might not bulb up. I got a lot of shallots from the first round. I'm very, very happy. Um... But if these don't bulb up and I just have shallot, you know, grass, onion, green onions, that's fine. I'll take that. Uh, I harvested my potatoes. I did okay. It wasn't amazing, but it tripled about the tripled the amount of potatoes I put in. A little bit better than that. Um, but I'm doing around two of the potatoes. I'm experimenting between some potato-specific grow bags, better drainage than what I had them in, in buckets, and some in the ground. So that'll be interesting to see if I can do potatoes in the ground. Um, the corn is coming soon. The beans are doing okay. I did a whole second batch of beans. I got some beets in the ground now. The tomatoes are just about done. I've planted some second tomatoes. Cucumbers are all done, but I planted some second ones just to see how late in the season I could do them if, if I'm going to get some more fruit off of them or not. I figured, you know, I grow tomatoes in Alaska when I was a kid. And, you, know, you know, it's cooler, but they have more sun. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, still pumping out a ton of cherry and Roma, but the big, the big tomatoes are all done. Peppers are going great. Um, planted a butterfly bed for the monarch butterflies. It's not flowering up yet, but it's it's looking like it's about to bloom. Maybe I can make that. It was a little bit late in the season, but I just wanted to get it in the ground because a lot of it's perennials. Yeah, garden's doing great. Garden is doing great. I got one more birdie's bed. All year I felt like I could use plant a little bit more. And I think a lot of that's because I wasted a whole birdie's bed on strawberries that I did not get any strawberries from, although they grew and expanded really nicely. I don't know. I need to put strawberries somewhere else. Um, so I'm thinking I'm going to make a new birdie's bed and that will be the strawberries next year. And then the birdie's bed that I have the strawberries in, I will do something else with. I'm getting better at protecting from squirrels. So I think I can do that with the bird. I've got some, yeah, I've gotten good, man. I've gotten good. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Gardening's going great. Uh, health is pretty good. I'm still in the Wagovi. I'm not losing a lot of weight and it's making me a little sick and I'm kind of thinking about stopping, but I got another month. So I don't know. I just, I feel like the nausea is like catching up to me and I, you know, I lost 50 pounds on the stuff, which is great, but uh, it's really slowed down. So I might stop. I don't know, but I don't know how to stop. I haven't looked into that yet. So that's the thing I got to investigate. And Jane is doing great. Uh, (laughs) She's very into dolls and she's playing with them all the time. The big custom doll houses that Emma made for her that are super goth and super funny. Um, 
Then the other amazing thing is lately we've been teaching her empathy and sympathy and patience and kindness. I mean, we've all been trying to teach her these for years, but it's, it's catching now. And we got this thing where like, I take my hand to my heart and I make a little fist. Like I took something out of my heart and I say, do you need some kindness? Do you need some patience? Do you need some empathy? Whichever one is relevant at the time. And she says, Oh, thank you. And she takes it and she puts it in her heart. Or if it's patience, she puts it in her head and she immediately gets better. Like, it's crazy. It's the first time we found something that worked in, in a year or two. And it's just, I, I, I dread the day it stops working. One time it didn't work. And even then it worked after a minute or so. But it's so cute. <laughs> oh my God, it's so cute. It's, she's so cute right now. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, she's getting much more chatty. And she, spe- <laughs> she speaks like an adult half the time. It's really creepy. She's four. Well, she'll be five in two months. She's almost five. But yeah, going great, going great. Life is good here in Chatham County. I've been thinking about a road trip to Boston and New York and maybe Western Mass. I was going to go up for Bauhaus in mid-September, which means God knows when I'll do this podcast. Except Bauhaus got canceled, which was very sad. Peter Murphy went back to rehab, which I always knew was a possibility. He's 64. He's, you know, he's struggled with this for quite some time. It's pretty public. And I knew, I was like, you know, I have some friends that saw this tour on the first leg on the West Coast, and they're like, it's so good. And I'm like, I've seen Bauhaus a bunch, but like, there's only one or two more chances in your life to see this band, you know? And they're really good right now, and Peter Murphy's not always really good these days. (laughs) It's very spotty, and they don't get along super well, this band. So I was like, I gotta go. But it canceled, which is very frustrating. So, But I think I'll still go on that road trip. I don't know exactly when. I have a business meeting I need to do in New York sometime in September. Um, but it's kind of flexible. I think I got to consult with that guy. So, and then I want to see my friends in Western Mass, my friend Doug and my friend Ryan and my friend Miranda. So if I can pull that off, that's sort of like Emma's doing this weekend holiday trip. Uh, it's supposed to be four nights, but she might shorten it. And, um, then I would do that one. It's kind of, you know, give and take is kind of the, the thinking on it. Um, so yeah, that might happen. That might happen. That's pretty exciting. There's stuff on the horizon that's kind of exciting, but you know, this weekend, alone with my kid in my garden for the holiday. And I really couldn't ask for anything better. It's lovely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Media projects. I used to do like news and politics, but I do all that stuff on my email newsletter these days. I'm thinking about combining the two. Um, I do my newsletter on Substack, which I don't love, but, you know, it's not bad. But they got a bunch of podcast functionality now. I don't know. I might move it. I don't know. And then this and that will be all combined somehow. Mm, thinking about that. We'll see. Put that off for later. Project for another day. Project for another day. Okay, let's see. I added a bunch of stuff to Plex. I've been buying Blu-rays again because <laughs> I'm bored. <laughs> and I rip them and I sell them on eBay. And it's very, very satisfying. They sell really fast. I just do a whole batch. I might do that this weekend. Uh, just list a batch of Blu-rays. Last batch I did about two months ago. It's about 10 Blu-rays. I sold nine of them within 24 hours. So, you know, it, it goes pretty quick. Um, but anyway, I have... And then, of course, I still got that Netflix DVD Blu-ray <laughs> subscription of the actual physical mail service from the, the OG Netflix. And uh, I've been ripping those, too. So I've added Justice League, not the Zack Snyder long version, just the original one. Florida Project, which I have not seen, but everybody says is really good. Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. I was just going through the blockbusters on Netflix free, just getting them ripped and put in there. 
Uh, and then uh, I bought the Blu-ray 1080p of original director's cut of the 1973 original Exorcist. That is up there. 1968 film called Wild in the Streets about some guy in his 20s that runs for president and wins that was referenced in the book I've been reading. Uh, sounded really fun. Haven't watched it yet. Bad News Bears, which was also referenced in the book I've been reading, which I loved as a kid, and I'm very, very excited to rewatch. I have not rewatched that film since I was a kid. And Margaret's Museum, a 1995 period piece uh, of Canadians in the what do they call those pro- maritime provinces? <laughs> romance period romance with Helena Bonham Carter about miners and love. <laughs> it's very breaking the waves ish, but not near as uh, turgid uh, or psychedelic or depressing. Uh, anyway, it's a great film from what I recall. I ripped it and I was watching a little bit of it. And I hadn't seen it since 1995, so you know, almost 30 years. And I was like, yeah, this is a great film. Really underrated, hard to find, only on DVD. So it's uh, 720p, I think. And uh, yeah, I splurged $10 to get a used copy off of Amazon because that was the only way I could ever get a copy of this. So it's up there if you want it. Uh, I recommend them all. Discogs, I sold four CDs. I sold non uh, Boyd Rice, uh, satanic noise musician, deeply problematic character, uh, also the father of my friend's child. Uh, great kid. Uh, well, he's not a kid anymore, he's an adult, but uh, was a kid when I was friends with him back in the day. Anyway, Boyd Rice had a band called Non, and then I sold one of his CDs on Mute Records called Might. Uh, good riddance. Sold a Railway Children's CD called Native Place of Manchester Band. Very Factory Records-y. A little bit of Factory Records meets Shoegaze. I loved Railway Children. Great band. Strongly recommend them. Uh, sold that. I sold uh, Minor Victories, which was the uh, Slow Dive and Other People super group that came out uh, right uh, around the time of the Slow Dive reunion, if I recall. I accidentally bought two copies of the vinyl. So, you know, all my duplicate vinyls are up for sale on discogs as well in addition to my cds and that one sold so that was good i like getting rid of a piece of vinyl going to a good home and just this morning i sold a cd by the chicago 90s goth band big hat who i loved so much me and my friend mike anderson were obsessed we saw them dozens of times i would write them fan letters i have all this stuff in my scrapbooks from back then <laughs> like big hat memorabilia uh yeah we were in love with the girls of the band it was just great anyway they had an album later in their career called taqueria del muerte that i had not heard from back in the day and i bought it on discogs like two years ago i may have even talked about it on this podcast um so I sold it and I, I shipped it out to the guy this morning and I was like, I was a huge big hat fan. And then, you know, I had a, saw them a bunch. I always loved them. I never heard this album until later. And he was like, I'm the exactly same way. I loved them back then. I saw them a bunch, but I didn't even know about this album. And so it's just getting passed around on Discogs from former big hat fan to former big hat fan. Feel pretty good about that. Uh, let's see. Vinyl. I got a bunch of vinyl. Um, I forgot to update this section. Hold, please. All right, all right, all done. Let's see. Vinyl, Coil, Constant Shallowness Leads to Evil. Sort of a drone experimental album reissue on Deus Records of Coil. Of course, reissue, because they are no longer. And uh, got that for pressing. Very exciting. Nice color pour. Mono, Scarlet Holiday. Mono, the Japanese post-rock band. Scarlet Holiday, it's a 10-inch holiday single. Reissue, I believe. I did not know about it. Got that from whatever their label's called. Uh, what's his name's label? Michael Gerard's label. Uh, spacing it at the moment. Oh, well. Lucius, Second Nature. That was a d- Vinyl Me Please 
uh, jam. I believe it was the monthly record. Mountain Goats Bleed Out, the new Mountain Goats album. That guy is so hella prolific. He's on Merge Records here in the triangle of North Carolina. Merge Records used to be in Chapel Hill, but it's moved to Raleigh. No, Durham. So, um, yep, got that. Keep buying those Mountain Goats records. Uh, Laika. Laika was awesome, man. What a great band. Uh, they were. They came out of Moonshake. They were sort of like a dubby space rock band in the 90s from England. Margaret Fiedler uh, and Guy Fixin, who is a producer. Uh, I love them a ton. I saw their first American show. Have a Leica shirt I wore to death across 25 years. <laughs> Still bust that one out when I need to wear a deep cut band t-shirt. Uh, and I got the Antenna EP, which I had on vinyl or CD ages ago. Um, but I got the clear vinyl instead because I sold the CD in Discogs. So that was cool. That just popped up. I check every day my want list priced low to high on Discogs and look for cheap things that just randomly pop up. And that popped up. So that was exciting. Uh, Breathless. Oh, Breathless. Breathless is a space rock, kind of gothy space rock band that's been around forever since the 80s in London. Uh, is a duo prime. Well, there's a few other people in the band, but uh, it's a couple at the core of the band, Dominic Appleton and Ari Neufeld. Uh, Dominic Appleton is well known as one of the vocalists in This Mortal Coil. He sings uh, The Jeweler and Strength of Strings. Most of the male vocals on their second album, Blood. Uh, Jeweler has a shop on the corner of the boulevard. Strong recommend. Anyway, I love Breathless. I've loved them forever. I've loved them since high school. Uh, my old band, Rockets Burst from the Street Lamps, did a mini tour with Breathless on one of their very, very few American tours in the 90s. Uh, so I got to know them a little bit, and I love them. And they have a new album out this month, well, last month now, called See Those Colors Fly. I got the vinyl. It's very hard to get in America, although weirdly you can get it on Amazon. Uh, it is on Spotify. Strong recommend. Great record. Um, I haven't even listened to the vinyl yet. It just arrived, but I've listened to the album a bunch on Spotify. It's really hard when an album you ordered on vinyl shows up on Spotify before you get the vinyl and you're like, I want to listen to it, but I want to wait for the vinyl, but I want to listen to it, but I can't wait. I don't know what to do. So I listened to it twice and I stopped and it came today. So that's going to be a big part of today is listening to breathless over and over and over again. I listened to a ton of new albums this week as well. It's been three weeks. So it's, you know, it's not so weird. This is a big list, but it's a three week list, not a two week list. So it's not as bad. Uh, Panda Bear and Sonic Boom. Panda Bear from Animal Collective. Sonic Boom from Spacemen 3 have a collaboration album. They've been doing some stuff together off and on for a lot of years now. The album is called Reset. Quite enjoyable. Norma Jean. Uh, let's see. Emo Metal. Oh, yes. Yeah, somebody mentioned this band on one of my Slack groups, and I had never heard of them, and it's like a kind of a metally emo band not really my thing but the album is called it's a new album called death rattle sing for me i like metal metal but i don't really like emo metal i like emo emo original emo like lou barlow and shit but uh you know uh that's not really my thing uh the ocs have a new album called the foul form not one of my most favorite ocs albums they are gloriously prolific though and it is really good they played and i kind of wanted to go boris played too i'm so bummed i really need to start going to shows again uh, let's see I'm talking to my friend Bill, and it seems that Bilter Space played at the Mercury Lounge last night, which is fucking nuts. Uh, 
Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay. Anyway, um, Connie Converse. Uh, so Connie Converse, singer songwriter in the seventies, she disappeared and there's a big New York times profile about her recently. I mean, she disappeared in the seventies. Like no one knows what happened to her. her. Like she ran away from her family and said, don't leave me alone. Don't find me. And she just has never turned up again. So, you know, in 50 years. So, uh, I'd never heard of her and she had a, like an album that came out in the, in the, in the 90s no in the aughts i believe it was sort of a retrospective and i missed this whole thing so i just was never on this bandwagon so i listened to the the, the the compilation album it's called how sad how lovely and i really like connie converse i didn't know anything about her uh my friend bill who i was just texting with uh hipped me to a band called 40 watt sun that seems to be a solo singer songwriter with a little bit of post-rock influence i really liked it i'd never heard of him uh and the album is called perfect light and i just loved it i need to listen to that again actually that was brilliant Ooh, Jesus, sorry. Desk boom there. Uh, Danger Mouse, listen to their new album, Cheat Codes. Not really my thing. Uh, well produced, though, so I can appreciate the production on it. Stella Luna, uh, dreamy synth pop band. Yeah, they were great, actually, and the album's called Stargazer. I uh, really enjoyed that one. That was a really good record. I need to listen to that again. I'm working through right now all the albums in my To Investigate list that I've listened to once or twice, and I need to re-listen to and pick starred tracks and all that. There's 40 four hours remaining in it it was about 60 hours of music when i started this process of listening to them a second time but i'm making progress so all these i'm going to listen to again in the coming weeks uh pia fraus p-i-a-f-r-a-u-s uh this was this might have been a bill thing as well bill and i have been sharing a lot of like shoegaze and sort of shoegaze adjacent post-rock bands with each other on texts lately uh nature heart software is the album name and it is shoegaze and it's more of the swerve driver vein of shoegaze has female vocals uh, i really like the hard rock and shoegaze of the swerve driver sort of most rock and parts of my bloody valentine i mean i like all shoegaze who i'm not gonna lie but uh that one was really great uh the telescopes of course you know, I never really listened to the telescopes much. Uh, I knew about them and I checked them out back in the day. I don't even know which album I listened to, but I was making one of my shoegaze playlists and it recommended Spotify recommended a telescope song. I was like, you know, I need to give them another chance. So I listened to Alter Perception. It's a great record, man. Very Spaceman 3 meets shoegaze. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm going to have to really do a deep dive on the telescopes. I did two deep dives this week, this podcast period i guess you say one of them was cassandra jenkins <laughs> i don't even remember why i did this but i listened to one two three four five cassandra jenkins i think i just left it on play when i was reading my books um hold on a second i got an email Anyway, not sure how I learned about Cassandra Jenkins, had not heard of her, which is pretty weird considering she was in Craig Finn's band and played with Courtney Barnett and was going to be in Purple Mountains before uh, David Berman died. So I don't know. It seemed like inevitable after that I would find her eventually. Right. So whoever hipped me to her, thank you very much. I listened to an overview of Phenomenal Nature live in Foxen Canyon. That was great. Cassandra Jenkins on Audio Tree Live. She's really good live. I want to, I want to see her live now. Play Till You Win and self-titled or an EP called EP. <laughs> Cassandra Jenkins. She's awesome. Strong recommend. Uh, Gorilla Toss. A quirky pop uh, Black Star Kids. Oh yeah, this is great. This is from my friend Nikki Digital. I like this a lot. Album's called Famously Alive by Gorilla Toss. It's sort of like hip-hop meets indie pop meets shoegaze one of those sort of like total mashup kind of americana centuries uh midwestern kind of amazing things like black star kids who i loved as well that was really great 
than the Breathless album, which I talked about. Stephen Melinder, tick, tick, tick. Uh, that was great. Kind of droney. Uh, came from my friend Nicholas. Uh, electronica, a little bit droney, a little bit, uh, you know, mid-tempo, but I liked it a lot. Would go on one of my W Hotel in a, uh, w Hotel Lobby and a better alternate universe playlists. Stephen Melinder, very good. Uh, Death Bells. This is on Dias Records. Uh, my friend Bill and I have been listening to all the Dias Records bands we didn't know about or listen to yet. This one was called Between Here and Everywhere by Death Bells, and that was great. Uh, pretty interpol actually, but upliftingly so. <laughs> uh, Cass McCombs has a new album, Heart Mind. Uh, I liked it okay, but not as much as the last couple. Uh, mellow, guitar-based singer-songwriter. Charlotte Adigri and Boris Rupal. Uh, this was from a friend of mine named Cass on one of the slacks I'm in, and it's called Tropical Dancer, and it was pretty electronica, a little bit too upbeat for my taste in electronica, but pretty good, actually. I liked it. Um, yeah, that was, you know, it was, it was good. It was good. I would recommend that. Uh, Ringmore, no, Rigmore, R-I-G-M-O-R. Uh, this is, I, I got this from KEXP, I think. Uh, the album is called Glade Blide Born. It is Icelandic. It's almost shoegaze, and I really wanted to love it, but then it gets a little bit too straight ahead pop. Not pop, like dream pop, uh, indie pop, mellow indie pop, uh, maybe throwing muses uh, The vocals are fantastic. She's got an amazing voice, and I really wish they just went full shoegaze. More guitar feedback, and I probably would love that record. Then I decided I needed to listen to every album that Justin Broderick has released in the last two years. Justin Broderick, of course, is the metal uh, instrumentalist (laughs) behind Godflesh primarily, but several other bands. And just in the last two years, he has released one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten albums or EPs under four different band names. And I listened to them all. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I am a huge fan of Godflesh and his sort of shoegaze meets sludge metal band Jezu. Uh, I have seen both live. They are awesome. It is best to see them with almost no lights on in the dark, very loud indoors, uh, which I got to see Jezu like once. And then I had to see them outside. It's not Godflesh outside too, weirdly. <laughs> anyway, uh, Jezu had one album in the last two years called Terminus. And it was very shoegazy on the shoegazy side of Jezu. No Godflesh album in the last two years. His uh, electronica band, JK Flesh, had three albums in the last two years. Veneer of Tolerance, New Religions, Old Rules, and Disintegration Dubs. That's a dub album of, I think, New Religion, Old Rules. Nope. Obviously, it's a dub album of Disintegration, which is an album that came out not in the last two years, so didn't listen to it. Uh, then he had a, co- a collaboration album with a band called Gnode, G-N-O-D, who I love. It's a psych rock band. I don't know anything about them, but they're so good. And that album is called Gnode versus J.K. Flesh, and is, that is an awesome record, man. Good, good record. Electronica meets psych rock. Can't go wrong. Then the Jezu album, Terminus, and then he has a, a band called Final that's his ambient drone band, and that had one, two, three, four releases. Expect Nothing and the Kingdom Will Be Yours, great great album title. It Comes to All of Us and Oblivion Volumes 1 and 2. Listen to all of those if you want like just ambient drone. Final is the band for you. And then he has a breakbeat techno band called Tech Level 2, and he had an album called Depths, which I did not like at all because I cannot handle breakbeat techno. So that is all the Justin Broderick albums from the last two years. (laughs) Ten records. God, you want to feel unproductive, listen to Justin Broderick, man. Uh, Then I listened to a band called Alaska, 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 one word, all caps, because Alaska, and I was born and raised there. 
Congratulations to Mary Poltola for being the first Democratic U.S. congressman from the state of Alaska since 1973, by the way. Very, very exciting. She beat Sarah Palin in the election. Uh, they are. This is a special election to use to fill the rest of Don Young's seat, which is, goes through the end of this year. They have a general election, same matchup, Nick Begich III as a Republican. His grandfather, Nick Begich, was a luminary Democrat in Alaska before my time. And his, I think, uncle, Nick, uh, Mark Begich, was a U.S. Senator Democrat. But Nick Begich III is a Republican. And Sarah Palin and Mary are all at it again in November. So if you want to donate some money to Mary Poltola, Pol Poltola, I think that's how you pronounce it, you should. Because we don't want Sarah Palin in the U.S. House of Representatives. That would be nuts. We already got enough nuts. Anyway, Alaska, Alaska. Uh, album is called The Dots. <laughs> Just put that whole thing in the middle of the music section. <laughs> uh, and it's a kind of very upbeat electronic pop, and I really liked it. Uh, there's a new Hot Chip album called Freak Out Release, which is awesome. It is a return to form. It's the best Hot Chip album in a while, and I really love all the other Hot Chip albums. So this is a great record. Strong recommend. Caitlin Aurelia Smith, a... Uh, Electronic soloist on Ghostly International, a new album called Let's Turn It Into Sound, which I gave one listen to and I really loved it, but I need to listen to it some more. Strong recommend. Uh, there's a new Muse album called Will of the People, which is not great, except for the last song is awesome. <laughs> SRSQ, another Deus Records band I hadn't listened to. The album's called Ever Crashing. Pretty great. More rocking. Uh, there's a new Chats album. You may know the Chats is the Australian punk band that did Smoko. I'm on Smoko! They have a new album. It's called Get Fucked. It's awesome. It's like a half hour long. It's great. <laughs> Roiksop has a new record called Profound Mysteries 2. I think that must mean there's a Profound Mysteries 1 that I missed. They're very upfront saying it is a derivative album of all their, it's a pastiche of all their uh, influences like New Order and 80 Synth and all that. And I love it. Pitchfork gave it shit for that, but they're wrong. It's a great record. I bet it's awesome live. I really want to see Roiksop again. One of the best shows I ever saw. Uh, and then Rush, Russian Circles has a new album called Gnosis, which I liked a lot. Uh, a little bit more mellow than the metal side of them. Need to give it another listen. So that was all the albums I listened to in the last three weeks. Television has been out of control. Too much TV. Uh, because we haven't been watching whole series. We've been watching like current stuff. So we watch like one or two episodes and then that's it, you know? So, uh, let's see. Westworld finished season four. It ended terribly, which is a real shame because it was a great season. I may have talked about this two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Um, I was really into season four, so much so that I went and rewatched seasons one and two to remember what was going on, which definitely helped. But then I finished season four on this very sour note, and I was like, I don't want to finish this. But I slogged through and finished the rest of season two, so I got that done. Only Murders in the Building, uh, super fun, uh, definitely sloppier than last season, not as tightly perfect of a sort of uh, murder mystery puzzle, uh, and the first season had a couple problems too, and then there's just so many cliffhangers and loose ends and it's getting a little weird, but I don't really care because I'm not the kind of guy that wants to solve a mystery, I'm watching it for the comedy, and the comedy is top notch, great, great times, as is what we do in the shadows, which is so much fun and so weird this season, they really keep thinking of a lot of wonderful new shit, it's pretty great. Uh, Resident Alien, Alan Tudyk sci-fi comedy. It's great. It's on season three, I think. It's definitely getting a little confusing plot-wise. I need to simplify a little bit, but we are still enjoying it. Oh, it's not, I lied. It's season two, but it was a break in season two. So after episode nine, I think, they took like a six-month break, and now we're on 10, 11, and 12, but also season two. In my mind, it's season three. 
Watching She-Hulk, uh, the new Marvel series on Disney Plus, it's fine. I mean, I've only watched two episodes. I got to wait for Emma to come back because she's into it, so I'm not watching it while she's gone. So we haven't watched episode three yet. But you know, it's okay. It's cool. Uh, I think I think she looks weird. I don't love the look. I mean, I know it's hard to make. You know, she's supposed to be feminine and sexy, but she's tall. It's just it, it works better in comics. I don't know. I can't explain it. It's not like bad VFX, and I mean, you know. She looks cool. It's not like her. It's just there's something about the Uncanny Valley or something. I can't quite. It, it's kind of distracting me. Maybe I'll get used to it. Maybe I'll get used to it. I am watching Ken Burns's 10-part series about the Vietnam War called The Vietnam War uh, because it ties into the books I'm reading. And I've been really curious. Like, I read all these. I've read a lot of histories of, you know, the 60s and 70s and therefore the Vietnam War. And I have a very good sense of like the American side and the Eisenhower, Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon administrations um, and what they were thinking. But like at its core, I'm still confused about the North Vietnamese. You know, I knew Ho Chi Minh. I'm already learning a bunch from this, like uh, Le Juan. I didn't know anything about him. Um, I thought Ho Chi Minh was in charge, but he wasn't. He really like lost uh, military and, and political control pretty early on. He's like a figurehead now, you know? And, um, but you know, I mean, like how do you survive and, and maintain and like for 10 years, just being mercilessly bombed and not give up and just be like, they're going to leave eventually. They're going to leave eventually. And you know, they're right. We did. But I mean, 10 years, so many people died. And it's just like, it's very, I want to know what was going on, you know? So I w- this series is answering my questions, but I wish it was doing spending a little bit more time with the North Vietnamese. They're interviewing several North Vietnamese soldiers, which is really helpful. And then we had one person pretty high up. But uh, I would say it's maybe 10 to 15% of the series is from the North Vietnamese perspective. There was an amazing section on the Ho Chi Minh Trail, which is another sort of part I've been really curious about. How did they keep that road open when we put, you know, 8 million tons of ordnance on it? <laughs> and, you know, they walked through the logistics of that and the millions of people that just camped there and repaired it every night, which was super fascinating. So it is it is paying off for me in that way. Plus, you know, uh, Trent Reznor and Atticut Ross did the soundtrack. Well, half of it, Yo-Yo Ma did the other half. So that was pretty interesting. Very weird. Randomly in the middle, uh, <laughs> Old Town Road came in during a scene of death. Not Old Town Road, but the Trent Reznor, Atticate Ross, Atticate Ross composition that he used to make Old Town Road. And it really took away from the scene and the tragedy in the scene when you're like, I'm going to take my horse to the Old Town Road during this like battle, basically. <laughs> that was that was a little weird. Cognitive dissonance. But uh, it's good. Um, House of the Dragon I'm watching. It's fine. I did not enjoy the first episode. Too violent and gruesome for me. The second episode was good. People complain there's a lot of people in rooms talking, but that's what I like. I like TV with people in rooms talking. So, uh, you know, it's fine. I'm going to, I'm going to finish it, but I don't think it's, I never even really loved Game of Thrones. I just kind of watched it. Um, um, where am I? Oh, that was a movie that's in the wrong place. Uh, Star Trek Lower Depths is back. It is the greatest Star Trek ever made. It is hilarious, and I love it so much, and it's making me very happy. Uh, the End is Nigh, Bill Nye's series on Peacock about the apocalypse. Uh, ten episodes about ten different ways the world's gonna end. It's very cheery. He has a little bit on the end about what we can do about it, but they're very unconvincing. <laughs> And I've been very obsessed with the Yellowstone Corona and the fact that like the entire United States could just explode at any moment. And uh, it's good to see that that is getting published, publicized. Uh, yeah. And then there was one on mass coronal ejections from the sun, sun solar flares that will knock out the power grid. That was a really great one. Superstorms. Anyway, it's great. 
if you want to think about the apocalypse all the time, and for some reason I do. Uh, Emma made me start watching us start watching Junior Bake Off, which is hilarious and cute. It's fine. Uh, if you like Great British Baking Show, you'll love the Junior version. <laughs> and then last night I watched the first two episodes of Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, and I fucking loved it. Um, some people have not liked it, but I just thought it was great. I thought it was amazing. My friends thought it was great. We watched it all together on text. We were very happy. Uh, I just think it's amazing. It's very hard to make something that's going to please hardcore Tolkien fans, many of whom don't even think that it should be filmed at all. Casual Lord of the Rings fans that love the movies, uh, people that don't care about it at all or know about it at all, uh, fantasy-adjacent people, right? Like, it's hard. It's a lot of different audiences. You have to do things on a lot of different levels. And, you know, it's a compressed timeline because it takes place over thousands of years. You can't use a lot of the source material. You're using, like, weird sort of secondary documents and stuff like that. Um, but I think it's great. I think they're doing a great job. Watch some movies. I rewatched Star Wars Rogue One because the Cash and Andor series Andor is coming out soon, and I wanted to rewatch it because I think it's the best prequel perhaps uh, ever. Uh, that's hard to say. I've been trying to think of better prequels, but it is one of the best prequels ever made. All right, let's see. Spin me round. That was a comedy. Uh, it's got Allison Brie and just a fantastic comedic cast. Strong recommend. Uh, there was this movie called The Little Hours. Really weird Italian comedy that. Emma and I loved a couple years back, and this is by the same director, and uh, it also takes place in Italy. He's an American, though. I don't know. It's weird. But he must just like spending time in Italy. <laughs> but uh, it's it's pretty funny, and I enjoyed it. It's on Hulu. I don't know. One of the streaming services. Uh, we watched a documentary on Netflix called Inside the Mind of a Cat, which was very educational, and now I'm looking at my cat doing slow blinks and bumping its nose. <laughs> There's a big part of it about people training cats, which is very, very impressive. Uh, we watched uh, Top Gun Maverick, finally, and uh, I loved it. I was so happy watching that film. <laughs> I mean, I loved Top Gun when I was a kid, right? My uncle was a fighter pilot. My uh, aunt, his wife was a military liaison to Hollywood. She only worked on Top Gun a little bit. She did a lot on Hunt for Red October. I was obsessed with that film when I was a kid. I love Harold Faltermeyer, <laughs> Giorgio Moroder, Berlin. I love the soundtrack. Uh, I was obsessed with airplanes. And this one is just like, I felt like a kid again. It was so great. I was so happy. Like It is so unapologetically more of the same with even better cinematography. And the exact same opening made me, oh my God, it was the best. People were not lying. It made me really happy. Uh, then I watched a really messed up Japanese sex movie from the 70s called Female Leopard that showed up on my friend's Plex. And I was like, I will check out this weird thing. And it was deeply unpleasant. And I do not recommend it. Uh, and that's it for movies. And then I've been reading books. Uh, I've been reading Rick Perlstein's History of Conservatism books, as you know. So I started with Before the Storm, Barry Gold Goldwater and the Unmaking unmaking of the american consensus and then nixon land the rise of a president and the fracturing of america and then what was the third one called the invisible bridge the fall of nixon and the rise of reagan and now i'm on reagan land america's right turn by rick perlstein so i have read maybe 2400 of 36 now i got about 700 pages left of 3600 pages so i have read like 2900 pages of this so far 
It's starting to get to me, man. I'm not going to lie. I'm very deeply, profoundly sick of grass, fake grassroots astroturfing Republican organizers like Phyllis Schlafly and uh, Richard Vigueras and William Sapphire and Jesse Helms. And they're, they're law breaking in the name of law and order and they're interlocking groups and their weird parliamentarian tricks. And yeah, I don't know. It's just stressing me out at this point. It's very educational. But it's depressing, and uh, I'm in the Carter administration now, which is nice because I don't didn't know enough about Carter. But I'm just all I'm learning about from the Carter administration is like all the dirty tricks William Sapphire and other people played, and how useless his supermajority in the House and Senate was because so many Democrats were just like fickle, feckle didn't pass or sign anything and how Carter didn't know how to wheel and deal. And he was very imperial and he really wasted a golden opportunity. And honestly, Reagan should have just won if Reagan had beat Ford in the, for the nomination, which was apparently incredibly close. I had no idea. And uh, then he probably would have beat Carter and then we could have just gotten Reagan over with quicker. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I don't know. Carter's proving to be a disappointment. I'm going to read, I think, that large biography of Carter, but I'm definitely taking a break after this. This and the Vietnam War series. I'm done with the 70s and 80s and conservatism for a while. I need some optimism in my life again. But they are very good books. And uh, his sort of setting of a scene of just like contemporary society in the 60s and 70s has been incredibly eye-opening. I was alive in the 70s, but I was a kid, so I wasn't aware of a lot of this. Plus, it was in Alaska. It was so remote. We didn't have campus protests or terrorist bombings or any of that stuff, you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, they're good books. It took me a while to get used to his writing style, um, but I've come around, and uh, I wish they were better footnoted. I don't like prose footnotes. I want actual notes on every individual thing so I can go look it up, but that's just me. That's, you know, it's a legit style. It's just not the way I would do it. Anyway, yeah, Rick Perlstein's History of Conservatism. That is about it for this week, this month. I hope your Labor Day holiday is lovely. I hope your summer was great. Enjoy these last 21 days of summer. Don't forget it's still summer for a little bit longer. You can still go to the beach. Take care, and we'll talk in a couple weeks. Thank you.